Josh, this is the first time in Influence history that we have had four Canadians on the call. And I'm really excited about that because we've had Canadians on the call before, of course, but we have four this time and it's pretty, pretty exciting. I feel like this episode's going to be full of stories. We're just going to keep saying sorry to each other. No, I'm so, so, so excited. Jen, can I please introduce them? Because I actually cannot wait to start talking. Please go ahead. So we have Tim Chan and Josh Campbell. Tim is an editor, producer, and a creative consultant. His portfolio includes work for Vogue, Snapchat, and a ton of notable brands. He is currently the director of products and commerce at Rolling Stone magazine. And he was also recently named one of Adweek's 25 LGBTQ plus leaders making a meaningful difference in media, marketing, tech, and beyond. Josh is a serial entrepreneur and he has worked on brands such as Starbucks, Sage, Dosis, and Human Improvement, a brand of clean and organic protein powder. And if these two weren't cool enough, on top of being Canadian, they are also the co-founders of So Gay Rosé, which I'm so excited to talk about. So guys, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Okay, so I need to know how you guys met and how you guys know each other. Well, I mean, like all good Canadians, we kind of found each other here in Los Angeles. Uh, I'm originally from Toronto, and Josh can tell you a little bit about his background later, but I lived in New York for four years, and I've been in LA for eight years. And, you know, I was... I was introduced to Josh through a mutual friend. And I think our first meeting was at a hockey game, which is also very Canadian. Yeah, I think, I think okay. it's, it's uh, usually it's, there's alcohol involved with meetings of Canadians and hockey, of course. And I think there must have been beer involved to really round it out. Um, that was there. And, and, you know, I've lived across Canada. I've done, I lived in the U.S. before. It's my second tour of duty in Los Angeles. And and that's really where we, we met and became friends. Jen, you're still in Toronto, but when you move to LA and you meet another Canadian, like it is automatic bond and you are just like now in a Canadian circle. It's really, really cool. I do want to talk about So Gay Rosé. So where did this company come from? Where did this partnership come from? How, how did it happen? Well, So Gay Rosé is our new baby, as we like to say, and it kind of came out of just like a fun night of drinking, like like all good ideas do. We were probably a little wasted drinking rosé. Uh, we were actually at the proper hotel rooftop in Santa Monica. You know, it just kind of started off as a funny phrase. I think I said, you know, it'd be so funny, Josh, So Gay Rosé. Why hasn't anyone done that? It rhymes. It's so cute. Like, it's catchy. And then we kind of dropped it and forgot about it. And then a few days later, Josh, being the serial entrepreneur, he was like, I think we have something there. I think we should pursue it. And that was 2019, pre-pandemic. We kind of forgot about it last year, 2020, because no one was really launching a brand at that time. And then I would say over the holidays, December 2020, Josh came over one, one night and he had samples that he had put together of So Gay Rosé in a can. And he's like, I think we should actually do this and make it happen. You had samples that quick? So like, how does one do that? LA, there's often a lot of people that are a lot of talk. And I think what you know separates us is we we're like, that's the idea. Like, why would you not do it? You know, had a great relationship with some friends that own a company that could do short production runs. And uh, it was really a couple of phone calls. Um, we got a really, I would say, less than desirable design done for them, but cheap and cheerful. It worked. And we had... You know, it's always a good sign when you're when you're launching a brand when people say, "Oh, this is amazing. Where can I buy it?" That's a great sign. We said, "Okay, well, let's like if there is something here, like how do we take it to the next level?" And that's really what spawned what you see in front of you today. How long from ideation, I guess, to execution?
execution did that take? Because I mean, you you had the samples like super mm -hmm. quick. Um, so was it something where you were like, this great, love it, tastes great, let's do it? Well, we had a really difficult job of tasting 30 plus different rosés. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult work, but someone has to do it. And so... <laughs> The timeline, it was actually pretty quick. It feels longer when you're in it, uh, as these always do. But I want to say eight, eight to 10 weeks was really what it was from, you know, finalizing our production partners, going through design and coming up with kind of the initial product you see today. You know, for us also, like selecting the wine was really important because if you think of canned wines, there's often a negative stigma with them. They, they're really, really sweet and people think they're cheap. We wanted to have a really high quality product in the can. So it, it would be a, a somewhat of a, a affordable aspirational brand, not something that's just like really sugary and, and will give you a wicked hangover the next day. Did you, when creating kind of the look and feel for this, did you guys do that yourself? Did you outsource that? What was the process for that? The initial version that will probably never show anyone was was done with a, with a with a, really myself and a design partner to surprise Tim with it. Uh, this next iteration, we found a, a wonderful partner that actually Tim Tim you knew before. I mean, so first of all, we wanted to create a canned wine. We knew we wanted to do like something fun that you could put in your bag, you can really put in your pocket, take it to the beach, the pool. I went to see the movies last night for the first time, and I was like, should I put a can of rosé in my jacket? Like it's so portable. Um, so we knew, we knew we wanted it to be in a can, and then it came for it came time for designing, and it was really important for me to work with a queer designer for this. You know, we'll talk a little bit about the meaning of the brand afterwards. I know, but for me, it was important to build a team where I also supported queer artists. So there's a guy that I've known forever. He's Japanese American designer that I've worked with on other projects, and I asked him to put together uh, some ideas for me. I remember getting on the call with him and being like. I'm launching this brand called So Gay Rosé. And he's like, wait, what? Is this a joke? Are you serious? I'm like, no, it's very serious. You have two weeks, come up with something. And we just kind of went from there. Wow. So in terms of like your working relationship, I know sometimes like, I mean, like Jen and I, we work together and we complement each other very well. And we sort of have, we wear similar hats. But with you two, you come from very different backgrounds. Do one of you sort of lead operation side and then one leads the marketing side and like creative side? How does that relationship work? Yeah, it's, it's been really interesting in so far as we have very, very different skill sets. Our values are very much aligned, which I think is fundamentally core in any partnership, but we see the world through slightly different lenses and we, you know, we prioritize things differently. And so it's been a wonderfully organic partnership, whereas, you know, Tim is really focused on, you know, the, the broader brand story, marketing, visuals, really, I would say storytelling in the, in the most holistic way. And my strengths are, are not necessarily on that. It's behind the scenes. It's getting our, the nitty gritty, getting our deal structures done, thinking about how the actual business itself works. And I think that's where you've seen kind of concepts come out where it's a really strong business, but you miss that front end, that deeper meaning of why. And you see a lot of brands that come out where they're beautifully aesthetically or beautifully aesthetically designed. They're, they look great, but there's just no operational support behind them. And in both cases, they don't really work. And so we've been excited to, to, to dive in together and, and find some really early success, I think, because we are so different. What's great with Josh and I is that we aren't competitive with each other. I know that my strengths maybe are his weaknesses and his strengths are my weaknesses. And so there's definitely a complementary relationship there. We both are happy to give each other ideas, but we also have full trust in each other. And that's something that we actually discussed the other day. I, I said to Josh, I'm like, 
you know, there are a lot of things I don't understand about the business side, but I trust you and I know that you won't let me fail. You know, because we're friends first, I think it's really important that we establish that. Um, so we know that whatever we say to each other, it's not personal, it's for the brand, it's for the business. And we also know that we have each other's backs. Like there's nothing more important than our friendship. So we're never gonna put the business, you know, in front of our relationship. That's the most heartwarming thing to hear, I think, because you don't get that with many business partners because it's usually business partner first and not friends first. Mm -hmm. So you guys actually have an interesting story. I was reading about this prior to the call about why, I know you mentioned that you were drinking rosé and then the name came to you, but there's a bigger meaning of why it's called So Gay Rosé. Can you tell us a bit about that? I grew up very closeted. I grew up in a very religious household. Both my parents are evangelical ministers. And so I was taught that being gay was a sin, that you were going to go to hell, it's disobeying God. It just wasn't something that you could be. I remember one time my sister asked my mom, she said, what, what would you do if Tim were gay? And my mom said, but he's not, he knows better than that. And so it was never something that I could talk about openly. It was never something that I could share with other people. And so I actually didn't come out till I was 28, till I had my own place, had my own money. Um, I waited until this point where if my parents did reject me or they did disown me, I would be okay. I mean, financially, I would be okay, you know. Fortunately, they were, they were okay about it. They weren't thrilled, but they were accepting. And so that's definitely helped me. But I know that my journey into, into coming into who I am today has been a long process and it's something that I don't take for granted. And so with this wine, it's really reclaiming this phrase that I kept hearing when I was a kid, which is, you're so gay or that's so gay and making it into a positive thing. We used to throw that phrase around very negatively. I was definitely bullied with that phrase before if I wore like a pink shirt or something. People in high school would be like, oh my God, Tim is so gay. We also used it colloquially. Like if we didn't like a restaurant, we'd be like, oh, the food here is so gay. And people don't realize the power of those words. And so with So Gay Rosé, it's definitely a fun rosé that you can drink with your friends and have at a party, but it's also reclaiming this phrase that for so long was a negative and turning it into a positive. So I I was wondering if there were any brands, um, I guess that you guys have idolized over the years that you looked up to when creating So Gay Rosé. I mean, I will say first, there are definitely a lot of brands in the canned beverage space. You know, canned drinks are very popular now, whether, I mean, beer has been around forever, but now we have canned seltzers, like White Claw, there's other canned wines. What was interesting to us when we did our research was there aren't a lot of queer owned brands. And there aren't a lot of brands that are focused exclusively on telling a queer story. You know, it's July 1st right now. We just had Pride Month in June and a lot of brands slapped a rainbow on a product. And they said, for this month, we love the gays, right? Like all these straight owned brands marketed to gays one month out of the year for Pride Month. And now it's July 1st and no one's talking about it. And for me as a queer person, I'm like, wait, do you even care about the community or are you just kind of doing something to make a quick buck off of us? So there was never an authentic brand that really represented the queer community. And so for So Gay Rosé, me being gay, Josh being straight, but a, a gay ally to us, you know, it really felt like this is a brand that stemmed from a story about being gay, a coming out story and an empowering story. And that's something that we haven't seen in the market before. What you were saying about the logo thing, 100%. I actually was thinking about that the other day because June 1st hits, everyone's changing their logo to the colors and they're like, yep, I'm one of them. 
And then I was thinking about this. I was like, well, hold on a second. On July 1st, do you change it back? And and if you don't, because, it, you know, in Canada, it's not a business day. You wait until July 5th. Like, I just, there's something so incredibly <laughs> awkward about that. And just, it doesn't really make any sense. And you're absolutely right. They're not saying enough of it all year round for it to be one month and have really any difference. Something that I think does help us is there are other brands in this space that are like us. You know, Josh... And I have talked about many ideas over the years that we've known each other. But this is one of the first ideas that people really resonate with because it's easy to understand. We're not changing the world here. We're not reinventing the wheel. We're literally putting a rosé in a can. You know, and Josh can talk a little bit more about kind of the response he's gotten compared to other products he's been launching before. Yeah, I will say, you know, my background's in, in brands, typically with a really big stigma attached to them. So, so I... I'm a recovering accountant. I spent many years on Bay Street, you know, and then had a chance to work at Starbucks. And, and going back to Toronto, like Starbucks was super cool. You know, living in Vancouver, Starbucks was not cool, right? But think back before most of us on this podcast were around when Starbucks first started, the idea of paying $4 for a cup of coffee was insane, right? At Sage, which I think probably most of you know, you know, it's the essential oil category, right? It's it's really not, it's, it's snake oil for the most part, right? So to transform the experience and build a brand around it to really storytell around the benefits of the product was something that was not easy, um, certainly. But what I think was important with this, with So Gay Rosé, as to mention, it's a very simple product to understand, which, which really helps us utilize the product as a catalyst for a larger conversation. I think that's what gets us really excited about it. It's so much more. So whether it's a rosé, whether it's a chardonnay, it could be it could be almost anything in the category, and it's really great because it the the name and the product give you permission to have conversations that is very few other people can have. Correct me if I'm wrong, Tim. This is your first like entrepreneur experience, correct? It is. I was, years ago when I lived in New York, I started a magazine called Corduroy, like a corduroy jacket. So I have launched brands before, but I studied journalism. You know, I've always been in media. So starting a magazine is very different than launching a consumer goods product or a beverage product. So this is my first time in sort of the consumer goods space. And I was lucky to kind of have Josh uh, as my Sherpa to, to lead the way. Yeah, no, and I was gonna, I was gonna ask, were you hesitant jumping into something like this because it was such an unfamiliar space? And Josh, I know that you, you worked at Starbucks, so I guess that's, you know, that's also beverage, but is something like to this scale new for you? Like, was this a learning experience for both of you? I think anytime you're launching a business in the middle of a global pandemic, it's, a, it's new for, for everyone. No, I, I was involved, uh, still am involved with uh, Ace Beverage Group, so Ace Hill in Toronto, if you guys know that. And so we actually looked at bringing Ace into the U.S. So we got a, a kind of a taste of what that looks like early on. Coming from Dosis, which is operating in one of the most highly regulated environments. So we were you know, very, I guess, in front of the legislation in Canada with the legalization of cannabis. So no stranger to highly complicated and regulatory markets. But anytime you're launching a brand that has, you know, that, that does fall in that world, it is a little more complicated than, than most coming into it. And I think our approach of, which is very on Los Angeles, usually everyone in LA is like, let's just go big out of the gate. We actually forced ourselves to start really small and be very frugal or Canadian, as we say, about our spend and really prove. And, and it's been really humbling just to see what the excitement is around it. And now we're having the opposite problem saying we have so many people that want to buy the product. We're scrambling to, to, to get more. I think for me, coming from a traditional media job, you know, office job, nine to five, um, it was it was definitely intimidating to get into the beverage space or to launch a product. 
Um, but I think something that was important for us was still keeping our day jobs. I didn't quit my job at Rolling Stone and invest my life savings into this product. And I think a lot of people do that when they want to launch something. They feel like they have, they feel like it's all or nothing. And for me, it's like, let's try it out. Let's have fun with it. You know, let's put in a little bit of money, but also not invest like our entire life savings. And if it works out great, if not, we still have our jobs. We didn't really have to give up anything. And I always say that, you know, if this Soge Rosé project fails in six months, everyone can come over because I'm going to have a ton of extra wine in my garage and you'll all come over and we'll, and we'll have a wine and cheese party and drink all of our leftover rosé. And if it succeeds, then it's even better because it's surpassed our expectations. It's a win-win. Yeah, exactly. It's a win-win. <laughs> so you guys were just in New York and I know you've had activations around LA. What has the response been for, from these activations and the launch of the product? I think, again, because we didn't, not that our expectations were low, but we didn't know what to expect. We, we didn't come into this being like, we're going to kill it. We're going to be the number one brand in the world. Like We were just very um, realistic with it. We were very go with the flow with it. And I think that helps because anything that happens is always a bonus for us. You know, like our goal was to sell online. If you go to SoGayRosé.com, that's where you buy the wine. And then like one store picked it up and then another store picked it up. So these are all bonuses for us because we never expected to be in all these places. And so the reaction obviously has been very positive. I think it's important that people understand the story. At first, they just think it's like a really great wine. And, and that's great if you're buying it because you want like an Instagram moment or because you just want like a canned wine. But once they learn the story, I think that's really important as well. The most kind of exciting thing that's happened so far is we went to New York and we went to the Ace Hotel, which is a place that I frequented a lot when I lived there. And and we went to the lobby bar and they had Soge Rosé on the menu. And I remember going up to the bartender and wow. I was like, I'll have a glass of Soge Rosé, please. And I didn't tell him who I was or you know what I did. I just ordered it and he poured it out. And I said, have people been ordering this? Like, what do you think of this wine? And he goes, oh, everyone loves it. It's so great. And that was just so touching for me to finally see the products like available somewhere, someone serving me, you know, something that we've worked on. So that to me so far has been the most memorable moment. That's so amazing. Congratulations. <laughs> it is. We had, we had a moment. We, we did share a couple of a uh, couple of cans there. And, you know, I've been really lucky to, to, to really focus most of my career on product businesses. So you'd, you know, at Starbucks, you'd look for the white cups that are out there, right? Doses, everyone have their pen around. And so I know that feeling and it was so refreshing to see it again because you can be successful financially and that's great, but it means so much more to have a, something you've built come out and have someone else order it. Like that's the best feeling in the world when it comes to business. But honestly, the the big kind of win for me so far is is actually learning from Tim kind of what the, like through his eyes of how I would say the queer community has been. I'm a 36 year old straight Caucasian guy from Toronto. Like life is really easy for me. Let's be honest. And so by participating in these conversations and hearing perspective, I saw a completely different world that I had no idea existed, right? We all see everything in, in Pride Month, right? Rainbows and everything, but you have no idea what it's actually like. And I am still learning every single conversation, how much more I can do as an ally and how much more we can all do to truly like lean into this moment here and, and really have a conversation. That's a really, really good point because on paper, people can look at this and be like, oh, so this is co-owned by a straight white man. Like, what does that say? But I think and those are people that are seeing the glass or the can half empty. It's like, it's really, it's true that this is such a pure way to be an ally. And 
I think it's wonderful that you're doing this. I, I did want to touch on something that you said, Tim, when you were saying whether that be to take an Instagram picture. When you said that, I was like, that's why this product, the name of it, and also the design is something people will want to take photos of and they will want to post it on Instagram. All of that was done so well. And I think that's what caught my eye when you posted it. I was like, this is something I want to share just because it's so cool. Props to you guys. <laughs> yeah, it was important. I think like we live in a social media generation. So obviously we want our product to be shareable. And I think social media is like free advertising, right? So if you make a product that people want to take a photo of and post, like that's amazing. Like it's organic. They, It's something they actually like and they want to share. Um, so it was important for us to make something that was an Instagrammable moment, but we also made sure it was something that was not a one-time Instagrammable moment. So our original designs had a lot of rainbows and unicorns, like literally rainbows and unicorns. And we realized like that might be a little much. You might buy it once like as a joke or buy it once because it's funny, but you'll never want to keep that around. And I think the way we've designed our can now, it's still gay, of course, and still fun, but it's a little bit more subtle. It, it can sit on your fridge next to beer, next to wine, next to your, your sodas, and it would still be something you'll buy, you know, over time. It's not a one-time thing that you buy as a joke. Product design has just changed so much in the past, like five, 10 years, because yeah, exactly what you said. It has to be the kind of thing you Instagram and color makes a huge difference. And having like, I, I, I'm a, a local brewery snob and I will only <laughs> go to local breweries, but I buy the coolest looking cans because I'm like, that seems really cool. Or the name of it's different or they have a new special edition line out. Like there's just so much you can do with these brands these days that the packaging has to kind of be at the forefront, obviously the product too, but the packaging is a huge part of it because that's what gets that like general interest. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're never going to try the product unless the packaging draws you into it, right? And we were very thoughtful about the design experience of it. So you, again, expectation setting is really important when it comes, especially when it comes to CPG products. And most wines in the category are way too sweet um, for most for most people. And so what we've seen is people think, oh, this is fun, love the design. And they try the product and like, oh, wow. I would say nine and a half out of 10 people, 10 that we've interacted with now, now that we're back doing events are like, it tastes really good. And they're genuinely surprised that it tastes good, which is, which is I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing for us, uh, but it's certainly an interesting observation. Good, good thing to mention, especially for your, for your uh, listeners right now. I think branding, will, branding and storytelling will only take you so far. At the end of the day, your product has to be good, right? You can have the coolest looking uh, logo and packaging, but if your coffee sucks, like, people aren't going to buy it. And so we were definitely intentional with the branding, but we also, to Josh's point earlier, tasted a bunch of wines to make sure we found one that we personally liked. And we also brought in like our roommates and friends and, and partners, and we had tastings with all of them. And so we wanted to make sure at the end of the day, the product stands alone. And something I'm curious to do in the future is like to do kind of like blind taste tests to be like, if I took it out of the can and just poured you a glass, what would you think of this wine? Like without seeing the branding. And I'm pretty confident that people will still choose our wine and say that it's a good product. What's next for you guys? Is it is it new products? Is it expanding? Is it creating a second business? Like I feel like the possibilities are endless with you two. So is there anything that our listeners or your consumers can look forward to in the upcoming months or the next year? Well, certainly getting more wine out there is priority number one for us of our core product. Um, 
you know, we've approached this because we have great partners kind of in our chain here and we, we don't own a vineyard ourselves. We work with, with great producers. We can treat this almost like fast fashion. So we can come out with great seasonal additions, right? If there's a wonderful event coming up, we, we can do a one-off for them. Um, so we're exploring that right now. We have a pretty robust pipeline. Um, of course it has to rhyme. It's gotta be a fun name, but you know, <laughs> getting into winter, maybe it's Chardonnay season coming on. So, so gay Chardonnay is certainly there. And we also have some really interesting, uh, other beverages. So non-alcoholic is really in vogue right now. A lot of people are looking for that. Like our current product is a 14% ABV, which is on the stronger side. So some people love that, but after two or three of them at the beach, it's probably enough for the day. And so coming out with one that comes under 5%, like a rosé water is really interesting for us right now is we say, you know, how crushable uh, or sessionable is that product? And so we're looking saying, okay, how can we transport this, this great brand identity and story that, that is out there and make it available to the most amount of people in the most amount of formats? That's so exciting. I love, that. I, I love so gay Chardonnay. I would buy that one. I would get the I would get the non the non alcoholic one because I don't drink wine. I would get um, all of yeah, them. I will I will <laughs> Yeah, I think I would do like all rose, Chardonnay, and then morning after. It's a whole experience. If you need any testers, like Canadian yeah, we testers. Got you. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we get to the end of the of the episode, we like to finish like um with you know what's currently influencing you, person, place thing. Just something that, you know, it's, it's changing up your day a little bit or just maybe causing your mind a little bit of ease with what's happening in the world all the time. So, Joss, why don't you go first? Oh, gosh, what's causing me ease? Well, when I find out what causes me relaxation ease, I will let you know. Um, I will say what what <laughs> I, I love doing now, I, I mentioned at the top, I'm, I'm in Palm Springs with the pup. And so you have to get up super early before the sun comes up. So I'm loving going for long walks at, at dawn, um, listening to podcasts. Love that. So nice to like have a morning. I'll say I watched the first episode of Succession. I don't know if anyone watches that. I'm so late. Okay. No one can see Josh's face right now. But Josh told me this before the call and I was like, oh my God. And that's essentially your face that just you just made, but no one could hear it in the way that they heard mine. But yeah, right? Sorry, Joss, tell us about it. I have a problem because if people tell me to watch something, if they're like, it's so good, you need to watch this, I won't watch it because my expectations are too high. So I like waited until like people stopped talking about it, but I will say Succession is a really great show and that is currently influencing me and I'm very excited to binge watch it. Tim, what about you? I love the new Olivia Rodrigo album. Uh, she's basically this generation's Avril Lavigne, and I love it. And even though I am way too old to be listening to Olivia Rodrigo, it's definitely been playing in my car and on my Spotify, and I'm definitely karaokeing that her songs uh, when I go out next. But I will say something that really inspired me was I think people during the pandemic had two types of responses. You know, people either kind of shrank down into a little shell and and were scared and nervous and kind of retreated, or there were people who used the time to create and do things and kind of go after things they've always wanted. I mean, Joss, you started this community, which is great during the pandemic. You know, we launched So Gay Rosé, and I think it's really inspiring to see people's reactions to challenges. Either you can overcome the adversity by putting your foot on the pedal and kind of moving forward, or you can be stuck. And it's really inspiring whenever I see people who continue moving forward 
and continue going after their dreams and going after what they want. Absolutely. I, it's, it's the most incredible thing to see, especially that I, I think a lot of people started things last year that, you know, we're only temporary or we're only going to be for that first, you know, let's say two, three months of, of being in lockdown. And then the ones that have, you know, been building something and it's actually coming out now. And the timing of that is so perfect. Like, the, I mean, we're lucky doing the podcast that we obviously will probably only ever do it online, but it's a fantastic hobby to have on the side of, you know, all the other things that we're doing. And it's just great to know that like we've spent this time and we can say, you know, COVID happened, but we also did this. That's kind of the the happy side of it. I love what you said, Tim. And now I'm like, my answer to the what's influencing me is like so kind of stupid. And I feel a little bit embarrassed about it, but whatever. But what's currently influencing me is I'm rewatch. I'm okay. I'm, I rewatch the Hills all the time throughout the year, many times of the year. I, Tim, you can really, I feel it. I feel it. But like, it's the kind of thing As I, one does. I will watch it all the time. And now Whitney Port is doing reaction videos to her watching it and giving me all of her commentary. And I will sit there with a, with a bag of popcorn and watch them for hours because they're so entertaining. Did you watch, did you watch the one where she was rewatching the episode where she fell down on Good Morning America? Yes. She was wearing like the Oscar dress. That's a really good one to watch because like her husband, whose name is Tim, is like super supportive and like, she was like crying. Like yeah. remembering like all the emotions she went through. That was really good. All of them are so entertaining. I just want to thank both of you, Jen, and I both want to thank you for being here, for taking the time out of your day to talk about your experience, about your partnership, about So Gay Rosé. And we will link everything. We'll link your website and your socials so everyone can support. If you're in Canada, I don't think you can support, but you can eventually. Oh my God, you can you buy can. it for your American friends, of course. That, there you go. Yeah, Josh, That's being, hook me up. You know, okay, okay, fine. I will. I will. I'll send, I'll, I'll send it over to you. Thank you so much, guys. It was a pleasure. Great. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Influence, a Margot Community Podcast. A special shout out to our team behind Influence. So Joss, our host. Yolanda, our assistant producer, Keisha, our designer, and myself, the executive producer. Listen and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform.